All right, Dave. Dave. What? This is not a podcast where we do loose horse shit. All right. I don't. I don't care about your personal life, Dave. You're a chess piece to me. You know, like a like a armor chest piece. I, I didn't say armored. Like, I, like some... I go on your chest. I'm a chess piece. No, no, you're a chess piece to me. You, you're oh, something, like something I you sacrifice. You put it in a chest, uh, like a like a gun, like a piece that you put in a chest. This is frame rate, motherfucker. We rate frames. We do serious talk about movies here. You understand? I was not prepared for this. I'm Abe Epperson, and I have invited David Bell he- to be here. Dave, say something. Say say a thing. Oh, hi. Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> was there more? Was there more? Should I say more? So you're here on retainer. Michael Swaim is temporarily out. And uh, as they say, when the cat is away, the mice will play. <laughs> and that's me. I'm the mouse. And today I get to play. This means I get to do what I want. And what I want to do is talk to David about 2022's Bullet Train. Yeah, you wanted this. You were like, yeah. I am so into bullet train we're gonna <laughs> no talk one wants this. only about bullet train but i have the undeserved confidence to dictate the next hour so i'm kind of in control here and you have no power here sorry dave okay uh and i dare you to shake my confidence <laughs> well i just want to note that uh, this was my this was sort of my pick uh you i gave you a list because you were like uh, uh you know give me what do you what do you want to cover uh we have we have options we hit we're loose and I gave you a list of movies that I just simply hadn't seen before, but knew that I should get around to seeing, which is a great, honestly, it's a gr- podcasts are a great motivator for that, which mm-hmm. is like just movies that you're like, I know I should probably, because people talk about that movie, um, see so I can have an opinion on it. But I'm also like lazy and I don't, I, I like don't have, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah, like, yeah. it doesn't grab me enough that I'm like, I have to go out and see that right now. Uh, Bullet Train was on that list of movies that was like, this looked fun. Yeah. I, I, I never uh, never got around to it. Now I yeah. do. And we both hadn't really watched it like a week ago, right? Is yeah. That, is that, yeah. So like, a, and after watching it, I became, here's the thing. I became less interested in talking about the themes or the trivia of this movie. And I thought, I thought it was actually a really good call. Like, I think you're a good one to have on here because I want to have a conversation about this genre, uh, that this is a part of. Yeah. So something I love talking to you, especially about is that, well, a lot of our like offline conversations are about like the landscape of movies, right? Like what's going on writing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, like, kind of culturally, uh, writing-wise and directorially. And we talk about what we think is smart and what we think may cause a setback in storytelling. Right. And it's in this really postmodern way. And I uh, basically, you and I talk about what we're doing with our stories as humans and how we tell things right now. Right. And so I kind of have an agenda for this um podcast which is to say that i want to ask you as a screenwriter friend about the construction of these types of movies and so um first off uh if you can you know kind of do the bullet points for bullet train you know like what i'm gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about the influence of tarantino guy Ritchie, matthew vaughn and like heist plots for like the last 20 years but like, what is Bullet Train more or less in a nutshell? It's a quirky crime movie, and what by quirky crime? You already just listed what people should think of, 
which is what the filmmakers want us to think of, which is Guy Ritchie or Tarantino uh, or, yeah, Matthew Vaughn, where it's a series of moving pieces that is uh, uh, often in the form of a lot of criminals, which is the case of Bullet Train. Brad Pitt plays the main guy. He's he's going through therapy. His whole thing is he's trying to find like peaceful solutions. Very quirky. There's uh, he goes he goes on this bullet train to do a job, which is basically to steal a suitcase or rather a briefcase, I guess. Uh, and what we find is there's all these moving parts, including two other hitmen who are also very quirky. One of them's talking about Thomas the Train Engine. Uh, they're very much a Pulp Fiction type of group. One is black, one is white. They call each other. The, they call them the twins. Uh, we ultimately learn that they are in fact brothers, like they they were raised in the same household, which I thought was a good touch. Uh, we'll, we could talk about what this movie did right and wrong, but uh, basically, uh, all these criminals get intertwined, inter intertangled uh, around this briefcase and this ransom around a uh, kid who they're bringing home with the ransom money, and the kid is killed uh, mysteriously, and we learn there's an assassin who's killing people on the train, who's another character. There's another guy who comes on called The Wolf who's coming in for revenge and he wants to go after Brad Pitt. Again, all these fucking like weird cosmic alliances, align, alignments of these killers. And then we learn that there's this character called The White Death who uh, everybody's scared of. Um, and we ultimate he's the father of the the kid that they was kidnapped who's dead and we ultimately learn that he set it all up because his wife died and he put all the people he thought were at least in some way responsible on this train and to have them all basically kill each other including Brad Pitt's character who um we learn is actually filling in for a hitman who is a cameo by Ryan Reynolds uh, who is the actual person responsible. So Brad Pitt is just extremely unlucky and that he's not even supposed to be there. And now he's being blamed for the death. The white death is, of course, Michael Shannon, which I don't know why I didn't realize that because I knew he was in this movie. And when yeah. he wasn't showing up, I, I, I forgot. And it was like, oh, of course. Um, There's a lot of random cameos. Yeah. I mean, San Sandy, Sandy Bullock's in here. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a lot of characters, too, that are like introduced and then gone within minutes. Yeah. The taters, um, the taters shows up. Um, it, it's Chandy because Doom. of the director who did Deadpool, and everybody wants to be in on the fun. I right. would assume uh, it's 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 overall a very fun action movie with a lot of coincidences and moving parts. And I think it's trying to present itself as clever, and I want to talk about that. But I mm -hmm. overall want to say, in terms of critique, and I know this show isn't really about that, but I thought it was fun enough. Too long. It's like Too over long. two hours. It's, it's once over it, two hours. Once it hit, like, yeah. once I paused it and realized there was 40 minutes left, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it, it's mm -hmm. too long, and it's not as smart as it thinks it is. It's and... actually two movies when you think, well, well let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, like, I, first off, Dave, good job. That, yeah. that, that's not easy to do what you just did. Eh, I didn't they, really they explain it. it because this isn't about that. But people, <clears throat> I think people understand what I'm describing. It's interwoven. Yeah fucking uh uh web smoking of aces heist. of like yeah. and i and like guy Ritchie snatch where it's like all these things keep colliding and uh overall it was fun it's it's trying to be fun and it's fun the bullet train crashes at the end because good like it does all the things that a bullet train action movie should probably do 
which right. is like people should fall out of the train. The train should crash. Um, oh, I want to note, it is a train filled with the most oblivious passengers and and, uh, and uh, staff. Cause there well, are, by, like, the, by the end, everyone's that, gone. Yeah, but like when they're fighting in the quiet train. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just nonsense. like, and there's people literally like sitting and just cleaning guns and stuff in like mm. crowded trains. And it's like, what's, what are we doing here? Right. And I want to kind of, I want to talk about that because I think that what you just hit upon is about the cartoony aspect in order for this yes. world to work. Cartoon. And, uh, yeah, cartoon. So let's talk about that in a more broad way. I kind of want to ask you a question. Do, oh, sorry. I do want to talk yeah. about some of the examples in this. Like the one that really, I don't know why really hit me is Brad Pitt's in a, in a train car that has doors on either side and he wants to be alone. alone. So he takes a golf club and the, the door right. slide and he sticks it through the door to uh, make it not slide. But when I say stick, I mean he punctures the door with the golf club and it takes no effort like it's made out of tinfoil and the golf club is not sharp. And it's little things like that throughout the movie where you're like, what is am I having a dream? Like, why? Uh, why? What would is, that, yeah. What yeah. is the, what is the consistency of it? Why did they put like the suitcase in with the other luggage? There's little things like that where it's it's very cartoony in the way things happen or people get hurt or people don't mm -hmm. get hurt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that you're you're nailing it. You're fucking nailing it. And I want to ask you, because I kind of watch movies like an alien or a robot. Right. Where I like, I first need to see what the value of the movie is, like a, in a wider perspective. And this makes me a snob. I'm a big movie snob. Um, and a lot of people shouldn't like my opinions about movies because I demand that movies owe me something, which is nonsense. You're looking at but, movies as a formula or as a screenwriter where you're like, yeah. why are you making those decisions as opposed to like, right. is this fun? Do you see why it's fun? Yeah, exactly. Th that's kind of right. Because like I make movies, so it's like kind of like you have to deconstruct everything and see it as like, oh, I don't see human as a person. I see them as bones and muscle, you know, right. like so that's kind of what I want to approach this with. And I know you do, too, because you're a screenwriter. So let's talk about the fun. What makes these things work? Like so what makes for the last 20 years we've been doing this thing. And Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, we, we, we mentioned several names that like basically that is well like worn kind of road now. Um, what makes it worked in your opinion? Um, when it works? You mean? Yeah, when it, when it works, like what is the what it, what is like the itemized fun? OK, that may be putting you on a spot. No, no, maybe... no. I, I think there's I know what you're saying, which is like. All right, let's let's not think about this movie. But what is this movie trying to do that they know the other movies yeah, did in the greatest if success you look at, in the mind? I'll yeah, just take yeah, exactly. Snatch and Pulp Fiction, which are both considered right. they're very similar films. Honestly, when you think about both of those films, they're oddly similar. And one of the like and the things that make them similar are murderers who talk like us. Uh, mm -hmm. Vince and Jules having a conversation about foot rubs about fucking what they call a quarter pounder like we it's so it's been so spoofed but the the uniqueness of that scene was look at these guys having this boring conversation going to kill people right and it was taking taking the concept of a hitman which right. i think 
is po- is largely seen as like a scary serious person and making them just another person doing a job um mm-hmm. and making them seem human in a in a way where they talk about trivial things that is step 1 and you see that in this film with Brad Pitt and like I would say again it, this relies on some clichés like the I, the hitman who wants to be peaceful who's going through therapy I've seen in several others Oh, Shane Black is another one we should talk about. With this. Yeah, yeah, Shane Black. Um, great. And it's it's again, it's humanizing um, tropes like char- people who are normally tropes, a, a scary hitman who's just like a dude who's kind of a fuck up. The other addition that I would say is across the board that we notice is the presence of coincidences or little accidents. Serendipity. Serendipity. Yeah. Um, uh, fucking uh, Marcellus Wallace randomly crossing the street uh to see bruce willis um them getting saved them them finding common enemy with fucking zed and the gimp and all that where Mm -hmm. it's like suddenly they're just thrown into this other situation that suddenly makes them equals and makes them have a new respect for each other it's it's and it's like there's no reason that should happen they run into a store that happens to be that um the the of course um snatch has tons of that the diamond exchanging hands them hitting boris the blade the idea of um um fucking um vinnie jones's character why can't i think of his name uh the idea that no gun wait is he the butcher i can't remember i don't know the idea it's like he's been shot eight times and then he gets killed by a stray bullet you know Mm. it's all these moving pieces brad pitt of course is in that movie and this ex machina that we kind of allow because right. they're they're these are often framed like mysteries almost where you where you realize like oh those moving pieces were there the whole time they just didn't talk about it where it's mm-hmm. like oh but didn't you realize that this character the whole time had these plans and it feels like it feels like earned ex machina um yeah but it like, feels earned because there's a plant and pit well, yes no no when yeah. it works when it, it works. feels earned because yeah. like. They still do stuff with the 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 Pikeys in um Snatch where it's like Snatch, yeah. they're they're always on the move. No one can understand them that they shouldn't be underestimated. And at the end, it's like yeah, they, they really shouldn't have been underestimated. Yeah. Um. And you do you feel at the end like okay that paid off in a satisfying way. Yeah. Um, there's so yeah. There's that- the the con the the idea of moving parts coincidences and I would argue. That when it's done wrong, these pieces are often used like a crutch, which is to say coincidences that just happen. And they're like, isn't that funny how this how we got ourselves out of this situation with this coincidence? And well, it's like, yeah, that's also easy writing, isn't it? I want I want to I want to stop you a little bit and clarify, because I think that there's plot devices because I, I you're hitting on something crucial right. uh, and you're right. You're absolutely right. And plot devices in this movie, like the sleeping powder that puts Lemon to sleep, the little prince is just lucky. She stumbles upon him while he's actively being poisoned. Or that when she shoots him, he's wearing a bulletproof vest because his brother gave it to him. It all checks the writing boxes. But I want to actually go... Like I think that the intricate aspect about this and what makes it work versus what doesn't make it work... I think really comes down to 
they did the they checked the box they did the plant they did the payoff right but it feels contrived as opposed to something that feels a, organically formed I, yeah right? i have an example of it working in this and i have an example of it not working hit me with it the example of it not working is you mentioned the water bottle there's a part where the water bottle gets thrown at someone's head later, right? It falls mm -hmm. into a character's hand, and they do a cutaway where they then show the water bottle's history, and they show it stuck in the vending machine. And someone's like, ah, damn it. And then they show one of our Hitman characters get the water bottle. Then we show, like, we follow the water bottle onto the train, him drinking it, it getting the drug into it, him drinking it, passing out, and then it getting picked up in this scene and thrown. And... Mm -hmm. What that they're trying to make it seem like that's a way smarter observation, but all they're saying is this is this is how the water bottle got here, and it's like I don't need to see that. That doesn't really like he brought a water bottle on the train. That's yeah. that's a, that's all you're saying, and I didn't need to see its history in a vending machine. It and that like, is a joke though, right? They're doing that as a like, hey, isn't it funny that we do this all the time? Now we're postmodern and we're looking like we're turning the camera upon itself and saying, let's just do the stupid thing, right? Like right. that's what that motivation is, right? Right. It just doesn't really say anything to me. It's not even of that course. funny. Where it's yeah. just like, okay, why it's are we following the water bottle dude. all the way here? Yeah, I don't know what you're trying to say what i think when i think it works and this isn't this isn't a um, plant and payoff it's just a very guy richie thing that they do that i would argue was a very smart way of doing it is when the hitmen are having an argument about how many people they killed to get to that point and they do this sequence to show everybody they killed but what the sequence also serves as is exposition of why they're there Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a good use. I don't think that was a, a, an amazing sequence. That's yeah, but no, that's good. You realize through the sequence, oh, this guy was kidnapped. They saved him. They killed yep. all these people to get there because they don't explain it until that flashback. That's when I thought it was like, okay, cool. You made that quirky sequence have a have a use in the exposition. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That that is a good because it feels. I think because. Um, when it's introduced, the details fall down on the playing field, kind of like a bunch of like a deck of cards, right? Like right. one card's importance is no higher than another card's uh, importance. But then we zero in later on like the three of clubs and say this is an important card for some reason. Um, that can actually pay off, I think, dividends in when you actually do the like actual payoff scene. Uh, and it feels more organic when it's when like the shuffle is the card deck is smaller and it feels like not manipulated to us and handed to us like a fucking, you know, like here is the thing that later is going to be important. Right. And it's not like just one of many, but rather it's the correct amount of things falling in the scene that therefore later feels like it's a payoff because it's like, ah, I noticed it the right amount. Right. And I think that that's a point that's like something that I think that people who work in this genre should intuitively know about like how audiences receive films and how just to watch films, because by doing so they ultimately are uh, trying to, they're trying to call their shot of like, this is a good plant and payoff. Um, I think there's a lot of things that make plant and payoff work. And I think that y y you pointed out a good one. 
Um, and it's interesting to me that, uh, I don't know. It's interesting to me that they're more or less like the, this, this is what this genre is making its bread and butter. Mm. Like this is what to it's to the makers of this genre like this is what is the fun and game sequence or maybe I shouldn't use that. Well, you know what? Let's actually let's talk about that concept because like this to me, what makes this work when I watched it is that it's about montage and introduction, right? Right. We're manipulating the story to encourage montage and introduction to new characters. Intros are really fun, right? Because you can see how uh you know someone fun or unique kind of sees the world how they interact with the world there's this concept of i use the phrase fun and games which is a term from like blake snyder's save the cat which is like a screenwriting book and he says like okay so the fun and game sequence is basically the first half of the second act and that things are going pretty well for the main character and they're usually like owning a skill or they're playing with the new tech that they've gotten. They're de- developing. Think like Walt and Jesse and Breaking Bad, right. making meth or having a good and just like generally having a good time. Think about like uh, the suit building. You mentioned Shane Black. Uh, he did Iron Man three, but think about Iron Man one and when he's building the suits. You know, like right. that's yeah. a fun and game sequence. And Lock, Stock, Snatch, Kill Bill, uh, Bullet Train. Um, that sequence, usually in this case abbreviated, becomes the bread and butter of like the entertainment. Like it's the cluster of entertainment. It's the the thing that goes to the audience goes, yes, yes, I like this um, because intros are fun. So maximize the introductions, make an ensemble cast and also introduce moments or objects like you mentioned the water bottle or you know like you just do the past history of it yeah let me let me bring you up to speed i and will so yeah yeah what's up no while we're talking about intros i just want to know one of the things that i strongly feel we can stop doing mm-hmm. uh we're all done with this if you're hearing me mr hollywood we're done <laughs> uh when a character walks into the scene and the the they the 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 shot freezes and they give him a title the wolf you don't like like, yeah yeah. i'm sick of it i don't need it It, it, i don't know why we're doing it it's a clear indicator that we're watching one of these movies whenever i see that now (laughs) it might as well just say i'm trying to be guy Ritchie on the screen yeah like that it's just like i don't need it anymore we've done it so many times in specifically these like crime comedies and I just, it's like, why are we, do you think we're dumb? Like, why do you do this? Do you know why you're doing it anymore? Or do you just well, say, I mean, well, it's this it type works, of movie. Right? We better do it. You know? I mean, you're arguing it doesn't work, but I think for, you know, people who haven't seen all the movies, I guess that in the last 20 years, new people, young people. Yeah. I shouldn't call them new people. That makes me sound like an alien. Well, there's always, they inevitably do like a joke with it. Well, they'll mm. do like so and so's grandma, and they'll they'll give them the same <laughs> intro. Like, there's only so many things you you see them do with that. And the idea, I think, is because the movie wants us to think about all these moving pieces, and it's like a murder mystery in the same way where they're like, "This is the butler, this is the so and so," and and so like they 
they want to do it that way where they're like, here are all mm-hmm. the pieces that we're going to yeah. be working with. And every time a new one is introduced, we'll make a big show of it because we want you to pay attention and say, okay, that's who that is. And they always have dumb names. Um, uh, Tangerine and Lemon. Yeah, they always the have quirky brothers. fucking names. And they, it's the and it's like I I don't know my eyes start to glaze the over prince. when a movie does that yeah. now because it's just like I don't know do something new do a new thing yeah um exactly that's kind of what I think that that's why we're tired of the introduction aspect because they also do it like nine times throughout the movie so by the end of it you're kind of like all and, right this yeah. is a trope that i've seen in other movies and i'm also seeing it a lot in this movie it, to me it's the freeze frame that's me you're probably wondering how i got here like right. that's the it feels the exact same to me as that where it's right. like we should be mocking this as a trope Right. They do find ways to renew it a little bit, but on in mass, I think you're entirely right. I find that I um when we kind of dissect why pe- why we enjoy these movies or you know, it sounds like you enjoyed it a little bit. I enjoyed this movie. I think I'd like it a lot more if it was 90 minutes. I I right. no, th- this is I do want to note this is we're talking about when, like, we're talking about a specific genre, and we're talking about when it works and when it doesn't. And I would argue this has a lot of examples of it both working and not working. Uh, and that isn't that isn't like that's aside from my view of the film, which is that like I generally enjoyed watching it. You know, being tired <laughs> of something is just is different from like understanding the mechan the mechanics of why they're functioning yeah right. and i would say there's uh, overall if we want to talk about like because there's more to this film there's per, brad pitt's performance is funny much more yeah um that you know everybody's funny it's it's the movie is trying it it's, wants to have fun you know that's it the movie yeah. doesn't care if it if you know like that's when i'm watching it i'm like this is cartoony the movie's like yeah it is like we don't care you know uh that's part of this is it's not a realistic portrayal of violence or action it's just trying to give us a good time and right i I would argue it does that for the most part and that's why i keep saying i want it to be shorter because personally part of what would make this a better time for me is if it was shorter i think it would give the feeling that when you like took your ass out of the seat from the theater you'd be like yeah that was was that fun. did not waste my time. Yeah, I got a little like, okay, I'm having fun, but now I'm getting bored. This is taking no, too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. But remember, your diet of movies is higher than I think yeah, per capita sure. most of the humans. So uh, that kind of um, you know bias comes from a sense of uh, you you have the communion with movies more often than others. Sometimes you can get tired, so you demand uh special importance when you are you know you when you do watch it oh yeah once again uh we're we're snobs yeah uh, i find that i enjoy these movies i didn't watch and this I movie though of... as a snob i watched it at night in bed without taking notes because i was a guest you know yeah, and least, I'm like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> the least fucking amount of attention that you have to pay right and i, I was generally it enjoying demands, it. that's why I'm, I'm going back to like for the fun of it it's like being on a roller coaster 
that right. lasts a little too long. <laughs> like it's it's just like ah, th- although uh, I can't I can't actually imagine a roller coaster lasting too long personally, but because you fucking love I roller love coasters, it. we but all this, know this. Yeah, about you. this movie I was like, this is fun. I'm enjoying it. Uh, it can end. It doesn't have to be too <laughs> over two hours. It doesn't have to be two hours. It and doesn't seven have to do long. everything. I do love the idea of a roller coaster that's like ah we, and then Wee. it's like also, do you want to check out this stuff? You yeah. know, like what? Why? Why is a roller coaster now showing me like a movie or something like that? <laughs> Universal Studios kind of has that where it's like ah we just razzled and dazzled you, but now let's see a making of. And I was like, why is this a part oh, yeah. of the I ride? Worked, I worked on the Universal Tram ride. And one of the things we made clear to people before they got on is like, you know, this is an hour. <laughs> like this is this is a this is yeah. a whole thing. Have you peed? There's a bathroom right there. I'll let you come mm. get out of line just to go and come back. Yeah. It like, makes this easier because of the awkwardness of it's an hour. Yeah, because yeah. nothing else here is an hour. Everything else is <laughs> Everything. five minutes. And this is yeah. the only thing that's an hour. <laughs> and that's the aspect I think that makes these things fun is you're once again pointing out in the before time when you were talking before you're pointing out that they're cartoons right and cartoons are short and they're short for a purpose i think there's one point in this movie where aaron taylor johnson and brad pitt so tangerine and ladybug have just flown out of the train they ripped the door like off the hinges that, yeah. from the inside. Yeah, 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 whatever. That kind of bothered me. And well, sorry, go I on. don't give a fuck. Uh, and they're in a knife fight. And yeah. in the middle of that, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson gets a phone call. And Brad Pitt is like struggling for his life, but is literally says like, are you going to answer that? Right. You should answer that. It could be. And important. that's just how it goes in these movies. And I, uh, I think I will. Fun of I, the- I, sorry. I, I do want to defend that bit because uh, he is Brad Pitt wants him to answer it. That's the point is because he's he struggling does, for his life and he's, he's going to kill him. So he's like, you should probably answer that instead of killing me. Um, but that's like a writer's once again a writer's excuse to make that interaction yes, occur. It's still right? a very it's one of those it's a, yeah, it's cartoony. I was going to also say just when they there's a few times where like they bust out of the bullet train they're hanging out and then later he like chases the bullet train and gets on it. Um I do kind of wish um uh, that they treated being outside of the bullet train a little more precious. So it yeah, could be a little right. more exciting because they do that. And then you're like, oh, OK, so there's no harm there. Like people yeah. can just hang outside this bullet train or climb on top of it. Uh, you, it's the one thing we know about bullet trains, which is that they're incredibly fast. And I don't know, kind of have like it, it's like wind it's a, would knock you off. Yeah, just it's, because wind. it's an opportunity <laughs> for smarter writing or, or bigger challenges yeah. uh, to accept that that's a problem. And instead, right. they're like, "Yeah, it's not a big deal." <laughs> it's like, "Well, shit, okay." Well, well just I mean, yeah. set this on a train, then you know, like just set it yeah, on a yeah, regular yeah. train. Fuck what it. Do you yeah, put put them on a plane next. You yeah, know? like it's fine. Um, yeah, and so that kind of does sully it up. But I do like I um the cartoonish element. So it spends a lot of, it occupies a lot of its time by getting you to buy into that world. Right. It says we are a cartoon. Here are cartoon frames. Here are characters who are cartoonish. They can't really exist. 
And then it demands of you. And this movie really does have kind of split format. It's interesting structurally because it's got like 15 minutes at the top that like really inspects the like uh, really inspects the main plot. That is what I'm going to call like plot A, which is the, you know, white death uh, and the elders kind of inner like their history. And it does it intermittently through act one and parts of act two, but act two for the most part is an entirely different movie with tangerine and lemon and ladybug and all that uh and then you get to like 45 minutes left in the mood of a two-hour movie and it's everyone is dead and it's just ladybug and little prince at that point right and act three is just four characters and we renew ourselves back into the plot a so it's like it really is two movies right yeah that's I think that that's an interesting notion because that keeps things lean and tight in terms of like momentum of story because it's like, and then there's this concept, right? You're taught it's called meanwhile back at the ranch, which is that you always need to focus on the most memorable, interesting parts of your scene. And then you have something to cut away to. It's the reason why TV shows have A plots and B plots and runners and even C plots and longer ones. It's the reason we do these different plots is that you cut away so you don't have to have them shake hands and go, that was a good business meeting. You also, (laughs) it helps for the passage of time, I would argue. It helps the passage of time. So you don't have to keep going. And then later, you know, like if you're following just one plot line the whole time, uh it's just a lot harder it is you could argue it's a crutch but it's a it's more of a all i'd say all formulas all like structure is a crutch and that doesn't make it a bad thing it doesn't make it a bad thing it's just a definition of what it is and uh to me that's how they how it's designed it's designed because it has the implication here is that it's going for one thing that it thinks is the best aspect of story. And I want to say that in the same breath of remember that we're dealing with cartoons. Right. And that to me really makes this um, like it makes the power of this genre is pacing. Um, and you have ensemble characters so we can jump around the narrative breaks, the flashbacks, uh, serendipity this all makes sense with each other because it's like at any time anything can happen and it makes the thing feel like it exists on rails for no other reason other than these two people are talking and it's interesting and their characters are interesting i can just move on to something else at a whim and it feels right uh, yeah. it's swift and it yeah it, it passes the time in a way that few genres do oh yeah because it's the idea of you can sort of because if you're talking about coincidences and how life works and stuff, you can throw things away and easier, like the phone call yeah. where it's like, are you going to get that? And it's like, ah, fine. And then we're switching gears. And then or we're you switching can, gears. You can do yeah. those tires where two people are trying to kill each other and then they just like give up on that and then they right. share a moment. Or like when the woman comes in and they're like, oh, do you want to get some water? And they like have a moment. And it also, those scenes heavily imply to me that we're looking at characters that are eventually going to align um, because they seem to have rules and they respect each other where he's like, Oh, I don't have money for the water. Can you get this? Like they're sharing a, a comedic beat together. Um, it's still cartoony in that. Like, why does that woman not notice anything? Again, the employees on this train are oblivious. Um, 
uh but it's a it's an easy these are easy like to set up as a cartoon makes it an easier way for people to forgive those things and to switch gears a lot quicker i would argue though that the problem the escal the problem is the escalation with this which is like you go back and look at pulp fiction uh what makes pulp fiction a cartoon it's not the action it's not it, every now and then something will happen. Someone fires at um, Vince and Jules and doesn't hit them with a single bullet. And right. they, but they remark on how amazing that is for the rest of the movie. Right. That's the most cartoony the action gets. Right. You look mm. at, um, you look at snatch it, uh, Boris, the blade refuses to die and is like powered by like Russian fu- like fury and then gets hit by the car. Um, and, and it's like, that's cartoony. But they use it sparingly so that it's like at so that it, and they have the characters around them go, holy shit. You know what I mean? When yeah. it starts escalating, when we start having to make more movies in this genre, suddenly everybody starts doing shit like that all the time. And nobody can. You know what I'm saying is that it becomes a thing yeah, where absolutely. like it's once it starts getting overused, well, it starts it's playing breaking with, my brain a little bit. It's playing with action figures. Yeah. And here's the thing, it's hard to care about action figures, right? Yeah. That's I think what I think that's what I'm getting into is that this genre itself by choices that the genre makes to uh, like lure us in and enjoy the kind of, you know, window dressing of the, you know, like all of these scenes. Uh there's a cost making your cartoon making your characters cartoons right forcing plot devices in order to uh you know kind of speed up pacing uh creating plot devices that are just feel like the rote like plant and payoff in a way yeah and I, um, I think it used to be that those elements used to be part of the reason we liked it because it was newer because it was new and fresh so and when it, it was started it was like oh this is not something i've seen before yeah because also, i'm tired of this other thing i would argue it would happen movies. once per film like it wouldn't happen that much the cartoony element um that's also true this is constant wall-to-wall do you want that this is porn for that yeah like for example when they shoot marvin in a fa- in the face in pulp fiction the reason mm. that worked is because it was it's, it's like nothing. out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere, and then it never happens again, and it's, it's a big the, problem. Yes, it feels the perfect like perfect Tarantino all... moment in yeah. that way, right? Because it's the first time, it's the unexpected time. Every time after that, uh, Tarantino had to, and this is, and he adapted, and I think that's one of his, you know, what makes him kind yeah. of good as a filmmaker. Uh, you know, despite what, however you feel about Tarantino, um, like I do think that he was able to overcome this aspect of, well, now we know you're in a Tarantino movie after the third movie, after Reservoir Dogs, at any time, a bullet or a, you know, like a knife can come from out of frame and just end this whole situation. Uh, He had to outrun that. And in this way, this genre has to outrun the problem. Uh, of not caring about the main plot. I don't care about the white death and the elder arc, right? Right, because you feel but like movie, nothing matters because they're all cartoons. Because so they're all whatever cartoons. needs to yeah. happen is going to happen. And which is uh, yes. uh, best illustrated by the ending, where when the bullet train um, crashes, they show Brad Pitt miraculously avoid any death and fall into a mascot. Because he's lucky. 
Yeah. Um, and it, the the way, yeah, I was about to say the way this movie tries to make it, tries to excuse it, is characters are constantly talking about being unlucky or lucky, and so when these things happen, they get to say like, oh, it's part of the theme. He's uh, he's finally right. lucky, and it's like, yeah, but you're not saying anything about luck, and you're not you're not really saying enough that it just feels like you made it an excuse to do whatever you want to the characters, mm-hmm. which is why I don't care. But I just want to point out that the, I don't think this movie wants us to be worried. The, the thing this movie wants us to do is laugh and enjoy right. the jokes. And of so course. like the thing we, the factor we haven't, we haven't hit on is like the part where he's like, are you going to get your phone, that phone? That feels mm. like like a, a easy way, like kind of a lazy way to switch it up. If you found that funny, though, then it doesn't matter. That's the price of admission. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. You did it. Yeah. If this movie is movie funny, yeah. um, then like, I don't know, then you're having a good time with it. And I did no, find that it goes funny. Without saying, there was times where movie, I had fun. This is highly subjective and we're two very sardonic kind of people. Well, no, it's just when you said like they have to get ahead of that, like if you if you the tarantino thing it's you don't have to get ahead of it if you find a new thing to offer the audience you know what i mean of course yeah that's that's what i was kind of alluding to is the pivot yeah um and you know the introduction of new aspects of your own genre forming like tarantino himself when he was creating things like Django Unchained and, you know, uh, Glorious Bastards, he was essentially doing the same kind of, or he was doing, he was trying, he was, I'm not saying he's dressing it up. I think he's, he's, he's developing. I think it's uh, in a positive way. I think he's very much so saying like, I'm going to like do it with like history. Now I'm going to, what's, what's an unexpected playing field that I can fuck with your perception of Mm -hmm. um, that I'm like, Oh yeah, and then they killed Hitler. You know, like, oh okay. I thought uh, yeah. my my remembrance of history is different, Mister Tarantino. <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of deal where he's like, yeah, uh, that's what I'm doing. That's always what I've done. Are you? And looking, I um, like that. Oh, sorry. No, no. I'm just saying that. That's. I think that's like something that we have to be very upfront and clear about. Artists is that they're they can't artists that tend to have like develop trends or like, especially people who make waves in such a way that they like create a genre, you know, like uh, it's because it's, it's because it's so uniquely like the perspective is so unique that it causes other people to want to mimic it in a way. Yeah. And that is interesting to me because that means that it's, you have created a new form just by being you. Yeah. Which is cool. I'd argue Guy Ritchie, is just exactly. as responsible for this movie as Tarantino. Absolutely. Um, and Guy Ritchie, you look at what he did, Lock, Stock, and then Snatch. Those are all coincidence-based, mm. you know, funny Brit- British people arguing um, with their funny voices uh, mm-hmm. genre. He didn't keep making those. He made similar films like Rock and Rolla, um, but mm-hmm. he didn't, like, that movie isn't all about coincidences. Revolver is a very good example of, like, he manages to change your expectations yeah. by almost subverting his own films. Um, and so he was constantly, or, or what's the one with Madonna? He made the Madonna one to show that he can also make bad movies, 
you see. Um, <laughs> you see, that's that, that was the plan all he's along. He's like, see, you I see. can also make terrible yeah. films. No, um, he, he, but he was constantly changing what his deal was while keeping it kind of in that. And I would argue uh, Guy Ritchie has, like, I wa- did you watch Wrath of Man? No, I haven't watched Wrath Good of movie. Man. That's the, uh, it's a, yeah, it's his latest Statham, one that he did with right? Jason Statham. Good movie, no reason Guy Ritchie needed to direct it, which is I th- I would say is a problem. It doesn't feel like a right. Guy Ritchie film, and it's like, well, what's the point then? Like it's mm-hmm. like it's like a fucking Edgar Wright doing like a like a ser- like a or like a situational Jed Apatow comedy where it's like where's <laughs> where's the fucking Edgar Wright of it all? You know, it's it's that he he kind of is muted in that one, but uh, it's still a fine movie. Um, Point being that Guy Ritchie, like, he's constantly trying to evolve, and there's something about these movies that are still stuck in that era of, like, we're trying to be Guy Ritchie, um, that I'm like, Guy Ritchie isn't even trying to be Guy Ritchie. Like, he's trying to be something... That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, like, that's kind of what, like, again, the, the freeze frame, let's show the text on screen. It's like, oh, is it 2008 still? Like, what is this? Like, we don't have to be, like uh like we can evolve a bit um and everything i read about this movie is all about how it wanted to be other movies the fighting style was based off of jackie chan you know um, yeah it's all like there's literally references to they old actually boy did a in good it. job with the martial arts i want to say uh, i i agree and i don't i that, think like the suitcase lemon... fight was a little me when he's yeah. fighting what's his fuck Wait, are you talking? Uh, not the lemon. The I do know, don't even Pitt. know you part. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, he's yeah. like, he's like flipping the suitcase in the air for no reason. It's too much. It's too much. It's it's, it's yeah. flash. But uh, I do think that the lemon pit fight, the ladybug lemon, the first time where they're like, let's be the the one where oh, yeah, it really fun. shows the cartoon where it's there's a lady who's watching them fight and is like, be quiet. You yeah, know? yeah. Like it's it's nonsense, but it's fun nonsense because the it is very much Jackie Chan. If you've have you seen a, a Legend of the Drunken Master? Yeah. And they're they're yeah. definitely yes, they're definitely trying to be Jackie Chan. And I would argue it's fine if it didn't cut away so much, but it's it's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just uh, fun. It's it's a game. It gives you something to sink your teeth into because you're like, okay, I'm watching this now. Oh, okay. So the whole point is to stay quiet. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting, because okay. this was directed by a stunt coordinator, I believe. Uh, yeah. He has a directing, unofficial directing credit for, for John Wick. I was actually for that, was surprised how little action is in this. Um, and on top of that, despite how little action is in this, I was surprised how long it kept my attention despite that. Cause it's a mm-hmm. lot more talking than I thought it would be. And I'm okay with that. I, I, that- I'm okay with that too. And I think it's, um, I mean, yeah. So it's David Leach is the name of the director and he was Pitt's stunt double in fight club, uh, oceans 11, Troy, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. And you mentioned he, uh, directed Deadpool two, uh, he did also did Hobbs and Shaw and yeah. Atomic Blonde, and yeah, John Wick. See, Hobbs uh, and Shaw is credited a- for uh, for John Wick, so he like I guess did some s- segments or something like that. I would um, argue Hobbs and Shaw is a good example of cartoon action working mm-hmm. for me at least, where right. they're like, okay, well, if we're gonna do it a little bit, we might as well do it a lot. Uh, we might as well have The Rock 
single-handedly, literally with one hand, like keep a helicopter <laughs> from flying away. Right. You know, like we might as well do the bullshit. Um, In that way, I want to ask you like straight up, like <clears throat> an exercise I've been doing is like when I watch a movie, I'm like, oh, this is stupid, but it's just fun. If all films became this, like what is lost? <laughs> you know, like a lot. I would argue a lot. But, yeah, I would a lot of with any movie. But like, here's the thing: is you mentioned the you mentioned the as the cartoonish aspect of, like, it made me think of like another type of another different genre uh, that's very similar to this. Is like you've seen shoot 'em up. I, I would almost, argue shoot 'em up is the same. Genre. that's it that's what i'm kind of getting at into is that it is kind of the same genre uh because but it's one that embraces the relative kind of cartoonishness uh yeah uh, up crank like up front crank, yeah, crank also is i would uh, argue the version that on the other side of the spectrum that does it right which is that crank knows exactly what it is it knows exactly um, what it is so it's like it it, it makes itself feel smaller because of it it almost like in a way the the formatting of the movie makes you go ah they're trying to be these other films yeah but in that way it's freeing right yeah (laughs) weird elements that i would say play into this um actually i would argue this is a big part of it and i'm not i'm not entirely sure why actually i think i might know why um weirdly what i think makes crank work um is the practical element Meaning when Jason Statham's hang- hanging out a helicopter, they shot in a helicopter. Um, when he's riding on the motorcycle and he has to stand on the motorcycle, that's a stuntman on a motorcycle. Um, and there's a element in Crank of how did we get to this point where like he's running around in a hospital gown with a full erection, um, where there's a, a, such a beautiful unhingedness where yeah. it it's one thing compiling on the other. It's not, they're not trying to be coincidental. It's not like it's a rampage. Crank is a rampage and it's just slowly devolving, but it is also still a stunt movie. Whereas shoot 'em up another good example. You don't feel that because it's just like CGI, you know, like whenever a movie does the thing where someone fires a bullet and it goes into the gun and it like, and it like shows the bullet come out again, eyes glaze over unless you're David Fincher. (laughs) Um, who who I would argue was just the first to do that shit. Now, oh, yeah. and this movie does it too. Bullet Train does it too, where they'll do like zoom the camera in, shoo, shoo, go around, and it's like okay, the you're when the camera becomes so over the top, and when all the stunts are over the top, um, and nothing all all feels CGI. There's just a disconnect of like, I'm not sure what to be even be impressed with here, because there's nothing you're showing me that's impressive. There's no like, yeah. like the stunts aren't practical anymore. So I don't know. Good pixels, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're greedy little boys, aren't we? We want our, we, we want our food now. Well, it's, it's it. about, and we want, <laughs> it's weird for me. It's, it's all very nuanced where it's like, okay, what's the difference between the rock gripping onto a line of trucks as they're lifted in the air and single-handedly right. bringing them down versus Brad Pitt in this bullet train scene missing everything. Yeah. They're both CGI sequences. They're both cartoony. Mm. And I think the difference is it's funny to be like, look how cool the rock is that he can do this. 
that's look how muscly what separates. He is. Look at all the muscles. Look at yeah, how awesome he is, and it feels and that's good. silly. Where Brad Pitt I doing this is just like, bit. look how convenient this is for us, the writers. You know, and yes. it's like this this CGI sequence that's not very awesome. It's just like him mm. flying around going whoa, and, and and it's just it's not it's not using the cartoonishness to do something as fun for me, which is to, it's to get around mm. the writing. Whereas in Hobson Shaw, it obviously there's a lot of getting around writing in that movie. Um, mm. but it's just, I don't know, more fun. It's just more fun. It's more fun. There's something that you touched upon that I want to talk about, which is that everything, nothing is safe. Genre itself will feel the knife of time. Yeah. You mentioned David Fincher and the, the idea of doing it first and something I keep coming back to is that for creators, the past hones you and at the same time as your enemy, because you must stand upon the shoulder of so many giants, right? Not just because you're not smart enough, but because the road is so well paved. Yeah. And I think art like, like, I don't know, all academia, sciences, humanities, papers that you write and such. Uh, that rewards output in a world where quality requires more and more. So innovation must grow inequally in a, in a way one could argue exponentially uh, to abet the stagnation and redundancy uh, that you're constantly outrunning. I find that that is terrifying to live. There's something that Hitchcock said. Um, paraphrased more or less what it was is I wouldn't want to make movies for people like it because he had a long career. And so when he started making movies, he was almost all, already hit. And then he kept making the movies and then he kept making movies right. and then he kept making movies. And so at a certain point, what he, his reflection upon that and his career was like, I don't want to make movies uh, for an audience in a hundred years. They're going to be too smart. Yeah. And I think that there's some truth in that. Oh, it's 100%. because he felt I, that he's like the games that I'm playing are simplistic games and they're simple games. They're still pure and beautiful. Um, and they are a, what I think cinema is. But like in order for us to do things like in this genre where it's like, let's subvert stuff and like be meta and snarky and all these kinds of like uh, motivations for entertainment. At the same time, the creators are under an immense amount of pressure to kind of innovate. And the reality is that guess what? You're probably not going to innovate it and that's fine. Yeah. And the idea of like, show me something I haven't seen before. Right. Like there used to be a time even 30 years ago where someone could say, Hey, I'm going to make a movie about two guys just hanging out in a convenience store talking about star Wars. And that was innovative. And, and, and that doesn't take anything away from it. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so much harder now to mm-hmm. be innovative in the in this industry uh, because, yeah, we've, we're doing it all. And now with CGI, it's like we've seen it all. Um, yeah, that's right. This is all right. And I think Brad Pitt understands that. I yeah. think he's made movies for a long enough time that he's like, yeah, this is just one of those <laughs> you yeah know, this, like this movie was made i forget the budget but it was it see i think it was like under 100 million and it's like 80 it made, million yeah. It, yeah it made plenty of money and that's the thing 200 million worldwide that's why again my ultimate actual criticism 
like the one that I feel emotionally about is just that it's too long. Everything mm. else, I'm like, no real notes, because it's kind of for what we're saying, which is that you walk into this movie and you're like, okay, I know what this is. This movie isn't going to blow me away. It's entertainment. It's fun. And that's what it mm. wants to be. It's not trying to be anything incredible. It was made during the pandemic. Um, they pre- clearly, it was made on two sound stages. That's it. Um, yeah. And they Four clearly were like, we just need too. something to make. That's this is, tough. This is a, it's an adaptation of a, I think a comic. Um, it's perfectly fine. All the celebrities were like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. get involved. This is fun. Everybody's having fun with it. So it's like, I, I don't know. I'm not mad at it. I don't really feel the need to say <laughs> this is like terrible. My literally, my only criticisms was like, okay, if you're going to make it this fun, an hour, an hour 40, you know, like, I don't know. This is just a little too long for me uh, personally. Right. Um, yeah. And, and like, I think at any age I would feel that uh, mm. I, I don't know that maybe I'm wrong there, but it was just like, yeah, you're, you're not trying, you're not an Epic. You're not old boy. You're not trying to say anything incredible. Um, I have the same note for like avatar too, where I'm like, you're not, <laughs> you're not doing enough to earn three hours. I'm sorry. You're just not. Um, you're just not. Yeah. Not, this yeah, isn't Dr. Shivago. Interesting take. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like. <laughs> this isn't Dr. Shivago. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Just make it a little shorter. That's all. Just trim. Would you trim say that to James Cameron's face? Yeah, I would love to. He would put me in a headlock and he'd breathe <laughs> yeah, on me. Yeah. yeah and his breath would smell nugget. like the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. He would, he would like ink you, I yeah. think. No, Cameron has the right to do whatever he wants, obviously. Um, mm. and I mean, I can't really say Avatar two anything. And it was a misstep because it was Cameron going, I'm going to make a lot of money. And then he makes it and goes, see, I made a lot of money. <laughs> see, I made a lot. I did it. Yeah. I, I did the thing. And it's like, well, you got a point. You yeah. Did, I love how Cameron just it. keeps showing up to recalibrate us where he's like, oh, superhero films make a lot of money. Hold hold on. Hold on here. Here's another Avatar. It's not even anything original. I just made Avatar again. I just made Avatar. Anyway, <laughs> let me drop this fucking like just I'm just dropping this right on the box office. Yeah. And everyone loves it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that he uh, he's obviously talk about innovation. Uh, it's so funny to me that we're in a situation with media because of our ingestion rate, uh, because of the comfort the the reason that we become fans to stuff is that uh, we find something that is so wonderful to us, so delights us, tickles us in such a fancy, and we're just like, you know what? We need more of that, and it needs to be better than the thing that was perfect. Right. Uh, that is, onus is so fucking stupid. Like we are, we demand so much of our entertainment. But we consistently do improve the thing. What's great about it, it's not like Princess Bride came out and then movies, you're all done. You know, like that's how it, I could see a world where that was true. You know, like there's a movie that just says, and we stop. Uh, No more of that. That genre is done. We never need to do anything ever because it was fucking perfect. Right. And some people might say that with like CG and, you know, Avatar, the original and stuff like that. Uh, But we were like, all right, but like, show me what else you got, Hollywood. 
And yeah. so they idly kind of like spin uh, until innovation does, uh, you know, appear. You know, like we uh, on a podcast on Gamefully Unemployed, we're just talking about everything, everywhere, all the time, or whatever it is, all, all at once. once. And uh, we were talking about innovation of the Daniels and that. And I think that that's an interesting notion of like, what are they innovating there? They're just forming a portrait of a movie in their mind. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm glad you brought that up because I actually do think what they're innovating there is they looked at a movie like Snatch and said, why can't a movie like that also make you cry? Uh, And I love that. I love that about it. And let's deconstruct why I'm not crying during Snatch because there are powerful moments. Oh, but that, oh, that, and I do want to note that this movie checks that box, which is Mm -hmm. they take one moment to say, ah, but it's kind of serious. Snatch does that when Mickey's mom dies and you're you're suddenly like, oh shit. Like we've all been laughing and then suddenly, uh, they do that here, which is, it was a good reveal where they keep making it a joke of like, oh, they're the twins. They're the twins. And one of them's black, one's white, and they keep going like, I assure you they're not twins. And then when one of them dies, they do a flashback and they're, they, you realize they're not twins, but they were they're raised together. They're real brothers. They're actual yeah. brothers. And you realize like, oh shit, that really sucks. Because they've been, they've been sort of doing quips to each other and like making fun of yeah. each other. And you and think it, like, oh, this is like Jules and Vince. And then you realize like, oh fuck, like this is actually a big deal. And that was like, they, I think they... That was a good, they did a good job. Yeah, because it informed, uh, you know, like it informed Tangerine's like trajectory from there on in. Yeah, and it's just nice that they took a joke and they were like, no, they're, they're, they might as well be twins. Like they're that close. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we know that they both horribly murder people and apathetic toward it. Right. But now it's personal. Uh, and so when he gets over the fact that he's like, oh yeah. And I, I, I kind of need to, uh, work with Brad Pitt, you know, in order to make this work, it's like, oh, he actually really had to overcome that. They just kind of, it's not bulldozing, but it's like, they kind of give you that information, which is satisfying to be like, oh yeah, that does pepper the, you know, every scene thereafter. Right. But um, it's not something where it's like that itself deserves scenes, you know, like, right. and in a different movie, this is all, we're all just playing this game of like, what if the movie was this, which is dumb, but here we are, it's a podcast. And like, frankly, that movie would be uh, a completely different thing. Yeah. It would be, it, it's not in tone with uh, the high, the modern heist film or whatever we're calling this genre here. Right. Um, I know this isn't crime a particular heist. It kind of, yeah, crime. It's not, it is an original story. And I think we need more of those succeeding right now. I just do. Yeah. Um, it's not Pulp Fiction 2. It's not Snatch 2. You know what I mean? It's not we're going to try to turn this into a bigger thing. Pulp Fiction, Snatch, we left them alone. And I would argue, like, instead of making Jurassic World, someone should have seen Jurassic Park and said, I want to make something like that, which is what this is. Someone saw Guy Ritchie Pulp Fiction and they thought, I want to make something like that. Yeah. I don't want to remake that. And I think that's a good instinct, right? Mm -hmm. I also want to point out that Pulp Fiction is extremely derivative also, right? 
Like, have you ever looked up any montage of all the shots that Tarantino just pulls from older films? Yeah, um, I mean, shots, yeah. No, I, I guess, I, I know that it's not exactly the same, but what I'm saying is that, like, Pulp Fiction is how long ago? 20 years? 30 years? And it's like, mm -hmm. as we get older, we're going to start seeing this more, which is people pulling from movies that we're familiar with and us going, well, you just did that thing. And I would argue that's how a lot of great movies exist. That's how Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs exist in the first place, is Tarantino saw other things and said, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I would argue he did it better than Bullet Train, but I just think this is a good instinct. Also, just note, Pulp Fiction yeah, is like course. two and a half hours long. Just throwing that out there as a rebuttal to my own point. Um, but this is Pulp Fiction. <laughs> um, my point being that like this is, I think this is all coming from the right instincts which is looking at films that inspired and again we haven't even looked up if the director is like i wanted it to be like pulp fiction it's just so obvious that this genre I mean, is an option and yeah the proof is in the scenes yeah right? and so it's just like i don't know i think this is how great movies get made movies that we consider to be original is people take ideas that already exist right and they're inspired by them and they try to make an original yeah. film and like for what it's worth this movie is and it, well, actually, it's an adaptation, but you know what I mean. Um, it's yeah. it's not a sequel. It's not a remake. It's just uh, enjoying itself. And I kind of like, yeah, make two more of these. I don't care. Make different bullet train movies where it takes place on a different bullet train. Or uh, maybe someone else will watch this and be inspired by it and make something else. That would be even mm -hmm. better. Um, you can keep going back and back and back, though. That's the thing with art, right? Because you go like, oh, Pulp Fiction is that a band apart, a band of outsiders, uh, John Luke Godard, you know, like, yeah, you know, like you keep going back and you say, oh, they're quoting that. Oh, they're quoting everything's that. building off the next thing, next thing, which plays into the and, Hitchcock, you know, what he was saying. Because well, and, and then when you get to the original aspect of it, it's just like, oh, yeah, the idea of someone dancing in a movie, you know, like, right, it's, like exactly. it's not that complex. It's but that's what makes it interesting. And I think to your point, uh, it's a good kind of uh, instinct to say, I want to make one of those. I want to make a die hard like personally i want to make a die hard you know like that i think that's a good instinct i think we should mimic the things that we love yeah um, that are good that we're good that are good and like it, it should be a love note to the thing and white house down also improve which is a tall order yeah, white house you down know? i would argue i really love that stupid movie it's like the third best die hard yeah right? and it's because they looked at die hard and said let's do that with uh with taters that's taters right taters. and and the the girl from this um who's the the evil the evil uh, Joey King. Yeah, she's the, the daughter of White House Down, I believe, right? She is. She, uh, you're absolutely right. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just like, I, I don't know. I'm glad that movie exists. Is, is that mm -hmm. movie amazing? No, but it, it's like I love that we basically looked at Die we Hard and said, that. let's do that, but the White House. Right. Yeah. And I, I'll forgive the serendipity and all of the nonsense that you did to in order to construct this thing. Um, yeah, if I'm having because fun. I'm having fun, right? Yeah, White House Down. I'm sure if we tried to dissect the to plot me. points of that movie and the writing, it, we would learn that it is quite it is quite irresponsible. On a different <laughs> on a different podcast, I want to talk to you at length, and I want like uh, and I wish Michael were here. Like the uh, 
we should talk about at some point like what makes serendipity work um yeah it's something we've kind of talked about a little bit uh, yeah kind of it, there has to be a i i we don't have to talk about it here but i i think there's right. a level of irony that has to go into it it has to feel smart to me uh that doesn't mean it yeah. has to be smart and that's highly it just has subjective. to feel smart <laughs> It just has to feel smart, but sometimes you can be too smart and then it's like, nah, it doesn't work anymore. I yeah, don't like yeah, yeah. it. It's not like we're a bunch of fucking Goldilocks saying that. I think there's also there's an element of like, for example, shooting Marvin in the face. What made that work was mm-hmm. then the movie had to say, OK, let's stop because this is an actual problem now. And this now is, we have yeah. to deal with this. And the movie That's became now we have to fun. deal with this. And like yeah. they spend a half hour of the movie dealing with that (laughs) right lockstock or snatch has that as well because they like they shoot uh they shoot the dude in the face and it's the same kind of deal (laughs) yeah like then they're like oh we got to get rid of the body and then boris comes in and he's like this is how you get they talk about pigs bricktop yeah bricktop yeah that's right yeah and um yeah it's just it wonderfully executed uh kind of nonsense yeah that's how that shit i think works for sure i think that's what we've kind of come we've found we found we found that this is wonderfully executed nonsense when it works when it's at its best well it's when it's not its best it's kind of we go all right uh, i don't like it i know yeah i I don't want it (laughs) we said this in hypecast i don't want to repeat it but that's another podcast it's the same reason why I don't like the multiverse in Marvel versus why the multiverse and everything everywhere works. The, the multiverse and everything everywhere is a tool for the writers to do a lot of hard work about mm-hmm. to, to write about other things. Um, is it consistent? The multiverse in that movie? No, it's silly as shit. It has rules and they keep to it. Um, but it's silly in, in Marvel. It is a, it is an excuse for the writers to do whatever they want. It's not a challenge for the writers. It's a thing to hide behind. And that's the difference, which is like serendipity, coincidences, all those elements. They can either be, they either seem like a way for a writer to just cut corners or a writer says, okay, well, let's deal with that and actually challenge ourselves based on that. Like the rules you set up in your universe need to feel to me like challenges and not um, escape routes. To like what you're writing. Yes. Well put. Yeah. Whenever well put. Yeah. The best time is anytime I'm watching a movie and something goes wrong in a way that you go, fuck, I'm not even sure how they'll get out of this. And you do feel that. And the reason you feel that is because up until that point, the movie has set rules and kept to it. Whereas in a Marvel film, if they're like, oh, we're stuck in the quantum universe now. I'm not like, oh, no, how is he going to get out of it? I'm like, they'll fi- they'll write a reason. They'll make up a technology. They'll do a techno babble reason, right? Like, and, because they yeah. don't have any rules and they've made that clear so that when a character is in peril, I never feel like they're in peril because I know they're just going to invent time travel or whatever. Right. And the importance of early on, give me, save the cat, you know, like show me a reason why I want to root for this guy. Oh, for sure. Uh, when you form cartoon characters while they're fun and sketches are fun, why do we care? Yep. And Car- that's something that this genre does kind of look away from. Yeah. Not without a purpose. I'm not saying it's like 
they didn't think about this problem. I think every filmmaker who's kind of penned one of these has honestly looked back and said, it's fine that they're cartoon. Let's own it. Yeah, um, I'd just but say like, I th- have rules. Even cartoons have rules. Um, Wiley yeah. Coyote and Roadrunner very famously have rules oh, yeah. for every uh, one. If you, you have to make it have rules so that the audience doesn't feel like it doesn't matter. Right. It's yeah, I, I agree entirely, but it's also like they do, they, they're the cartoon. We never stop and go, why do I care about Roadrunner? Right. We never do that. There's no scene with Roadrunner with his children, his no, children you should watch or whatever. The first episode is about Roadrunner's family dying yeah, <laughs> and he's just trying to get away from it all. He's, he's just, just trying to trying, run away from yeah, his problems. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think we wrap the, I think we can wrap this up. You know I what think meat, we, meat means? It means my family is dead. That's what meat <laughs> meat means. Every time Roadrunner says that, that's what that means in Roadrunner talk. And, and Acme actually is, uh, behind the scenes, like in a, like umbrella corporation exactly. that actually killed his family. Exactly. Uh, and so like Wiley is just the whole time using instruments of his own personal destruction against him. Yeah. He's it's just trying terrifying. to They were pals before Roadrunner's family died. And Wiley Coyote mm-hmm. is actually just trying to get his friend to stop running. It's ter- It's a terrifying uh, depiction of a post uh, capitalist world. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's why there's no people because they've all been turned into meat. Yes. Um, okay. So that's bullet train, bullet train, baby. Bullet train. Uh, this was, you know, pretty good. This, is pre- I think you did a good job. <laughs> it's all right. Not our best. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, podcasts are like whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, yeah, this is bull bull train. I'm Abe Epperson. That's Dave Bell, and he's a he's a guy who probably has some things he wants to say about like plug some shit. Oh yeah. Right uh, um, gamefully unemployed is the podcast network. It's the sister network of uh, the small beans gamefully G a M E F U L O Y unemployed uh, gamefully unemployed or patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed is where you can support us. Uh, just look up gamefully unemployed wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have some exclusive podcasts over on our Patreon, Tom and Jeff watch Batman Fox Muller's a maniac. And then some, some familiar podcasts like Spielboys and Star Trek yeah. the next Futurama, which we do yeah. with the small beans. And then we have like Hypecast we just watched. Uh, those are all free. Uh, again, wherever you get your podcast. So check it out. That's all. That's all. Uh, and just I want to make the f- I want to make the announcement that in a few weeks, if you like the combo of uh, this yak yak talking right now and that yak yak who just finished talking. Yep. Uh, we're going to look for, you know, like um, late February, early March. We're going to be doing a we're going to be doing a podcast together. This is real renaissance for Dave and I right now. We've decided to lock each other uh, in a room and just podcast constantly. So look for more of that and, uh, you know, more details to follow. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode and encourage everyone who enjoyed it to go to patreon.com slash small beans. All the shit you know it at this point i'm very tired mm. uh, <laughs> you know all this shit we love you and thank you for listening bye
This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!